0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the San Diego Yacht Club Sailcast. I'm your host, Ali Bell, with you for what is our last Sailcast of 2021, and what a year it has been. We've gotten basically back to normal around SDYC. People are vaccinated and happy to be back out enjoying the club, the water, the racing, the fun, and it's been busy. We wrapped up the hot rum regattas in, in the beginning of December. Congratulations to Raving Madness, the Ranger 33 that won that series. Santa got delivered safely to the dock on December 12th, just in time to hear everybody's wishes for Christmas. That same day, we had a rare snow occurrence on the sail wash lawn as kids happily took to their boogie boards for some sledding San Diego style. Finally, we've got a busy January coming up, starting with the New Year's Day race on January 1st. I hope you can join us for all the fun. Today on the Sailcast, we have Jim Madden.
1: Welcome, Jim.
2: Thank you, Allie. I'm really happy and excited to be talking with you today.
1: Well, thanks for being here. I know we've been trying to get you scheduled for a while, so I'm glad we can make it work.
2: I am, too. I know our holidays, our schedules are crazy. But yeah, I'm very glad it worked, too. So this works out great.
1: Jim, a lot of people know your boat, Stark, stark Raving Mad. It's, it's gone through different iterations. Can you tell me a little bit about how you started sailing and how you got to the boat that you have today?
2: Absolutely. Yes. So let's start with um, how I got sailing, which is um, uh, touching to me, at least So my father, who um, never sailed in his life, took up sailing when he was probably 30 years old. And we lived in Oyster Bay, New York, small little town on Long Island, famous only for Billy Joel and Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) But lots of water, lots of harbors, lots of yacht clubs. And he got us a blue jay. So I was eight And my brother was five and we just started sailing in a blue jay and we loved it. And we both became very competitive in the junior sailing program at the, at the local yacht club at home. And one of the coolest things was I remember, I think I was 15 and my brother was 13. So this is obviously a few years later, my dad was head of the junior sailing program in our respective divisions at the club. We both won sailor of the year, which was like incredible moment for my father, my mother. You know, they were crying and happy and my brother and I kind of didn't get it. Like, what's the big deal? But but anyway, it was it was great. And so it's all due to my father.
1: That is very cool. After the junior program, how did you keep sailing, I guess?
2: Well, I got I got very competitive. So I I loved I did well in the Blue Jays, race Blue Jays, very competitively on Long Island Sound graduated. I mean, all the boats are different now, but some of them things like probably nobody in San Diego knows what a blue Jay is, but it's a 13 foot boat with a jib and a main non-overlapping and a spinnaker designed by Olin Stevens in 1940, but mm-hmm. it's still sort of an East coast standard. But anyway, from that, I started racing lasers
0: okay.
2: and very competitive on lasers and like that. And then I got addicted to big boat racing, even as a teenager, when I was 15, um, there were Ranger 33s were very They're popular in California, they were popular on Long Island, and I just thought they were the coolest boat. So I started crewing on Ranger 33s all through my teenage years. And I was a um, junior sailing instructor, I guess, for two years in high school. So yeah, I mean, just sailing consumed me as a teenager and as a kid.
1: You're t- I want to talk about um, the rest of your progression through all your boats, because I know your boats have taken on various different classes and makes. But you hit on something that I definitely want to ask you about, and that's Ranger 33. So you started sort of your big boat career in Ranger 33s, and now you've got one again.
2: I do. And it's, you know, it's funny. A lot of people say, why couldn't you buy a Ranger 33? So I need to tell you the story behind this. So there was a guy in our yacht club. So I loved sailing initially with my dad. And my what I learned was my dad's super nice guy but not really very competitive. Like if we didn't come in top three, he was fine with that. He's like, I'm out here to have friends. And I learned, you know, I kind of have a competitive gene. And so there was this guy in the yacht club named Phil Walters, who also had a Ranger 33 and did very well, like top one, most races, top three for sure. He was a World War II fighter pilot. He was a professional race car driver that raced under the name of Ted Tappett and I lobbied to go sailing with him, which was interesting, right? Because whatever I was, 16, 17, my dad, wait a minute, you're going to move to another program? I'm like, well, yeah, dad, because I, I want to win. But <laughs> but anyway, it was, all, it was all about the Ranger 33. And, um, but what happened along the way, which almost ended my sailing career, is we were, we were in a race on Long Island Sound taking down the Spinnaker. And um, I was releasing the guy, the the four guy and we're taking them like the Spinnaker. And back in those days, they were thick lines and they were whipped on the end. So very hard, Uh it ripped through my hands. It cut across the right side of my face, blinded me in my right eye, almost got my left eye. So I've been blind for 40 plus years now in my right eye. I remember I was in the hospital for a week. I'm fine. But I remember being told, you know, you're never sail again. You're not gonna be able to drive a car. You can't ski, which I love to ski too. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I just sat there and thought, you know, I'm going to prove all of you wrong. I'm going to do all of those things. And, and fast forward, whatever it was six, seven years ago. And I said, I'm even going to buy a Ranger 33 and restore it and race on a Ranger 33 again. And I'm not going to get anybody hurt. And I'm not going to get myself hurt.
1: That is great. I, I know a lot of people were wondering why why a Ranger 33 was added to the program. That's a great story.
2: Yeah, it's it's a nostalgia project.
1: That's so awesome. And the boat, you know, it looks beautiful, first of all. And it did pretty well this year in hot rums.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny um, that it did great. Yes, thank you. Um, It won overall. and It won. (laughs) And um, I got to give, by the way, a lot of credit to fellow member, Jeff Brown, who basically coordinated all of the restoration on that product. But, you know, but staff Commodore Chuck Sinks and rear Commodore Al Pleskis have all been on that program since day one. And so we did the restoration in 2015. And just on a lark in 2015, I said, let's just enter it in hot rum. First race that boat had ever done. And we won overall in 2015 as well. And I kid Chuck and I'll kid Tyler Sinks a little bit too. So I think that the Ranger this year won with what, like 20 points, 14 points something. We won with four points oh. in 2015. <laughs> we did a one, two, one overall, which was great. But, um, but to be fair though, we, we, we pick our spots like that we don't race that boat a lot. We, we basically give a lot of thought like where do we think it can be competitive? So it's, it's not our main weapon.
1: No. Speaking of your main weapon, (laughs) you, um, the Stark Raving Mad sort of program is well known here. Right now, the boat that's at San Diego Yacht Club is the Swan 601, I believe. Mm -hmm. You've had other boats. What boats, how do you pick your boats? What kinds of boats have you had? Aside from Ranger 33, what's your favorite?
2: You know, um, so let me, it's great, you're bringing up so many thoughts here. So um, <laughs> first of all, I, I gave up sailing competitively and seriously when I graduated from college. Okay. A career, getting married, kids, family, you name it, like everything going, no time, just no time. And you know, I'm sure I made excuses, but I didn't. I didn't pick up the sailing bug again until about 22, 23 years ago. And so I was in my my late 30s then and I decided, you know what? I just want to get back into sailing. And so I kind of dove into the deep end of the pool. I bought a J160, which was the very first Stark Raving Mad. Not really a racing boat, more of a racer cruiser, More for, not, definitely not buoy racing, but distance racing. Sure. And um, we we did well with that boat that we did. We won the 2002 PV race overall. We won Santa Barbara King Harbor overall. And it got me more and more addicted to it. But the one thing I'll share with you, though, too, was people ask me, where'd you get the name? Like, where'd the name of the boat come from? Yes. So I was going to buy, I think it was like a J42 or four, maybe a J46 at the time when I bought the J160 and I had a budget and everything set. And I thought, you know what? That's just, I want to go bigger for whatever reason. I want to go bigger. And so I did. And my wife was looking at me and she goes, you are just stark raving mad. <laughs> and I thought about that and I go, you know, wait a minute, our last name is a little bit play on mad and mad and like, why not? So that's how we named the boat. And they've all been stark raving mad since then.
1: Except for the Ranger 33, which Except is a raving mad. Exactly, I can't bring myself
2: <laughs> to taking a boat designed in 1969 to have the same name. So it's a derivative. So it's it's just sort of like a little petite Stark Graving Mad. It's a it's it's you know one derivative down, but but obviously it did better than this one 601 in Hot rooms this year.
1: <laughs> well, had a little bit of a time advantage in terms of yeah, the start time. Before, so. <laughs> yeah. so the first one named named Stark Raving Mad was a 160 named by your wife, Heather, uh, which yes. is, which is, I love that story too. Um, and then what came after the
2: 160? We did, we basically started on a course to get faster, you know, be able to do buoy racing, have the boats be more fasting. And what I honestly realized was I'm not going to do that much cruising on a boat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be more, I, I separated the purposes, racing and then cruising separately. So I got a J145 Okay, um, which is a 48 foot, relatively fast J boat. In fact, I think there were three or four entered in this year's hot rums. And I got to give, I think it's Bernie Pinnell who owns Madman, or something like that, right? More Madness, yes. More Madness, um, who's a J 145. And they were doing well this year yes. until I think they ran aground in race three. But um, we, I think we've all done that one point or another in places like that. Dallas Points dangerous place. <laughs> it is a dangerous place, but um, anyway, from there I got. Um, I decided to go way off the deep end. I had just taken my company public and and had I sold, I had just sold it, so I had more time. So I decided to do a custom boat. So I went to the reichel Pew folks right there in San Diego and said, I want a boat that'll beat a sled faster than a sled, and but I don't want it as big. I want it, you know. A little bit slightly smaller, so we commissioned a custom 66 foot all out carbon fiber race boat with a canning keel, and that boat was Stark Raving Mad Three, and we had a ton of fun, um, just a huge amount of fun, and we actually won hot we won hot Rome overall with the 145, and we also won it overall with the, the Ripical P66, and one of the favorite moments in the hot roms was on the 66 on leg one of a race, you know, out to the first mark past Point Loma. It was blowing i don't know 15 to 20 it was a windy race they still sent us outside and we were coming in at the market between 17 and 21 knots of boat speed and we had the a3 up and peter burton who's a member now lives in san diego was our bowman and we go peter you got to get there and take the a3 down and it was like he needed a wetsuit and a snorkel we ended up getting it down we did well but what i learned about that boat alley was it was fun and it was exhilarating and it was fast, but, but it was a handful, yeah. you know, you have and keel and you needed somebody dedicated on that. And it became every race basically came, Oh my gosh, like this is a small business I got to put together in terms of people. Mm-hmm. And, logistics. and
1: uh, on a boat like that, I've, I've heard from others too. You have to have everybody who's operating at the top, the height of their game. You, you, it's not about, it's enough of a handful that you can't bring sort of like your new friends to come along sailing. It's gotta be,
2: you you know, in fact, you're right. That, um, that's probably, that reason is probably the single biggest reason I traded that boat in. I'll talk about what I did in a second, but you can't, it's a safety issue. Mm -hmm. And, um, and everybody has to do their job like Bill Belichick, New England Patriots do your job. So, and it's, um, and if you don't, if you do it, you do well, if you don't, God forbid you get somebody hurt. Right. So right. And I'm so in tune with that. Having you know, had that eye accident, I don't want anybody ever to get hurt on one of my boats.
1: Right. So after the RP-66, what was next?
2: So we said, let's, can we still get a fast boat, but more manageable, a little bit less dangerous. So I got a TP-52. Okay. Which I loved. And that boat was maybe one of our all around better performers. And we, I don't, you probably remember this, but we had a local class down in San Diego. We called it the I-52 class. And there was a bunch of people. So um, Andy Rasdell, Ernie, um, Pinnell as well. He had Casador 52, um, a bunch of others. We ended up with eight TP-52s based out of San Diego for, I think it was from like 2008 to 2010, if I'm remembering correctly. And it was fantastic. It was competitive sailing. It was fun sailing. But what we learned was all of the boats initially were kind of vintage 2006 to 2000 Well, no 2004 to 2008 and we let a new boat into the field that was a 2009 like a brand new 52 and it's just it was a generational faster sure. and you know that boat no matter what that boat would win everything and unsadly that led to sort of this the disbursement of the class from there
1: yeah yeah I can see that did you um I should have asked you about all these boats D- the TP-52 TP stands for TransPAC. Did you do a TransPAC on that boat?
2: No, it's, it's, I've never done a TransPAC yet. It is on my bucket list. I'm going we plan to do it twice in 07 on the Reichel P66 when we had mechanical issues on the boat. And one more time, I forgot. And I just haven't had time the last two years, but, but it um, for 23, I'm going to give it 90% that I do it.
1: Oh, awesome. It's a great, great race. One of my
2: favorites. I think I'm the only one on our team that hasn't done it.
1: Um, that might be, although I feel like maybe rear Commodore Prescus was telling me he has not yet done it. So
2: seriously, I, I thought for sure he would have done one. He's not done one yet either.
1: I, I well, Al, if you're listening and I've misstated, <laughs> please say it in the comments, but Al, redeem
2: um, yourself, please. If really <laughs> it's did possible
1: it. that he has not yeah. done one. Cause I, I, you know, I am a big TransPAC fan. It's a great race. So How many times have you out? done it? Four.
2: Oh, wow. And the most recent was, was when? Um,
1: uh, 19.
2: 19. 19. Okay.
1: So one of the years I did it on a boat that I know you're familiar with, on a J125. Did that come right after the TP52?
2: It did indeed. So that, um, I love that boat. If you ask me what my favorite boat was, that might be that boat. I love that boat. It They're was super amazing. fun. They're super, which boat did you do it on? Which one
1: with Tim Fuller.
2: Okay, sure, sure. I know them. Yes. So we started a trend. We got that J one twenty five, and we had a blast with it. We took it all over. We took it to Florida. We took it to the Caribbean and, you know, we won Key West race week twice, one, all firsts. I take that back. We were all first into the last day of the last race. This is Key West 2009. Gary Weissman was my tactician. Benny Mitchell was trimming the main Chris Bush was trimming I think it was a whole San Diego Yacht Club talent loaded boat. And it was windy. It's windy there. And we were four of the five days we had taken a first in every race in our class. And I told him, hey, look, if we if we win the last race, I know we're going to win overall. Even if we get a dead last or DSQ in race, we're going to still win the series. But if we win, I'm going to treat all of you and your spouses to a weekend in Las Vegas. So we did the race. We came in second. And I felt bad. I thought, wow, they're going to think like I wasn't driving very well, so I didn't have to, <laughs> go to Vegas. But I said, oh, the heck! With it. So we ended, we did it, and we um, we took everybody there for a great time in Vegas for a weekend. And I gave them all a book on how to play craps. Uh-huh. And I'm very happy to say that nobody lost money that weekend. They all came oh, out ahead. Of- nice. Yeah. What
1: book was it? We should. I should read it. I think
2: it's basically like how to play craps, but I don't, I don't remember it handy. It's a thin paperback book, maybe 40 pages, and it's okay. completely easy to understand.
1: Okay, well, the New Year's Eve party is coming up and I've been told there's gonna be a craps table here. So Get that book. Gonna, I, I am very, uh, very liberal with fake money. So I will happily put it up, let it, let it ride. All right. <laughs> so then after the J-125 what you said it was your favorite why did you move out of it
2: you know it, that's a great question because i wanted something bigger uh, you yeah. know we kind of everything we did we kind of did all we could do with that boat and did well mm-hmm. and so i wanted a new challenge yep and so from that boat what we got a uh, got a swan 42 mm-hmm. and which why i get a swan 42 we, we did that because um sorry to mention another yacht club here but um, i'm also a member of a, a, a yacht club a little bit north of san diego and we represented them in the New York Yacht Club Invitational Challenge, which has become a preeminent event. And yes. that's what they were racing at the time. Now they have the IC 37s. Then it was this 142. So I bought one. Said we want to practice and be prepared. So we represented the club. We went, and that's a tragic story. We were. This was the 2011 event. We were second going into last, last day, and we were we we couldn't have won. We were the first boat was getting like first 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 first. We were too far behind to win, but we could have gotten a second. We, um, we hit another boat before the start oh, of no. the last race and got a DSQ. So we ended up, I think fourth, but still it was fourth out of, I think the largest fleet they ever had, like 25 boats, all very competitive. Oh, wow. But still like, it's the only time, the only, the worst time, but the only time I've ever hit another boat on the race course. Oh. Thankfully, like the winds were blowing four or five knots. And it wasn't like we ran into them. It just, we couldn't turn away in time because you couldn't sure. turn over enough.
1: The Swan 42, so that spent some time out here and then went back to the East Coast?
2: You know, I don't think that boat was ever on the West Coast. I think I kept oh, okay. that boat in Newport, Rhode Island for the New York Yacht Club stuff that year. And from there, um, that's when I got this Swan 601. So I got, got right after that, I got, I've, I've, that's been my, maybe my longest boat. I bought the Swan 601 in 2012. So this is our 10th season now. I love that boat is great for, well, it's fast, but you know, point to point racing, offshore racing, we won over, we won our class and we won overall in the Bermuda race in the onion patch on that boat in 2014 with like a who's who famous list from San Diego Yacht Club on that boat. You know, Chuck, Al, Chris Bush, I think Benny might've been with us too. So it was, was fantastic. I still have that boat. I love that boat. That's the boat we also just raced in hot Rum too. Then quickly, we got a CNC-30. I went the other end, a 30-foot <laughs> hot one design boat, which was a ton of fun. We, came, we took that all over. We took that to Key West and Florida and different places. And I just thought, okay, this is a little too small. And there was one practice I'll never forget we did in Narragansett Bay in Newport. It was flat water, but windy, like 20 to 25. Gusts a little bit higher. And those boats move. But they're tricky to drive downwind. You can wipe out pretty easy. So we didn't wipe out, but we'd hit a wave just quite the wrong way. The bow of the boat digs in and we pitch pulled. So the oh, stern no. lifts, not 100% out of the water, but maybe like that to like 45 degrees. And there's I'm photos fine. of this. And you can see Al, Pleskis, in the back, like holding on for deer life. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> not, we didn't break anything on the boat. But um, that was um, that boat was fast and semi-frightening.
1: <laughs> There's one out here uh, that every once in a while. Well, the Invisible Hand guys bought it. Yeah. Um, it yeah. was another boat before, but watching them sail, you, that boat definitely looks like one that's probably fun to sail. But you have to know what you're doing when the breeze picks up.
2: It's very very technical. It's it is not easy to sail. And you know, I you can argue is it a great boat for Southern California? Maybe not. It's a planing boat, right? It needs a lot of wind to go, yeah. but but they're, they're super fun. It was a great class. We had gotten up to 28 or so boats in the class. And then they had a bunch of orders in, and I don't know what happened, but the builder went bankrupt and it just sort of destroyed the class, which was sad, which then, fun. so that I got rid of that. I, tr- I donated that boat two years ago, had the Swan 601, had the Ranger 33. So, you know what, I'm without a proper race boat, like, you know, because the SWIX01 is, it's a race boat, but it's, you know, not easy for around the buoys the ranger 33 no not so much as fun as that is <laughs> so we i um worked with um Drew Fridus another uh-huh. member and Greg Stort and said look let's just go find a fast 40 something boat that'll go around the buoys easy that's not going to be hard to sail like no reciprocal p66 stuff so we landed on a carkeek 47 There weren't very made it was designed i think 7 8 years ago
1: mm-hmm.
2: and all very fast carbon. Sort of a slightly smaller version of the 52, though. Theoretically, it's faster than my old 52 because it's such a newer design. And we found the boat we want to. And but that boat had like lost every race it ever entered, like literally, like not maybe not lost, but like bottom 25% every time. And I'm thinking, well, okay, is this boat this really this good? And, but then people tell me, look, like, the guy that races that boat doesn't know what he's doing. And the main, like, as an example, the mainsail trimmer just cleats off the main and drinks a beer while they're racing. Oh. They go in these crazy directions on the race course. But then there's another data point. There's a sister ship called Black Pearl that races in the med that was doing really well. Anyway, we took our chances. We bought the boat um, in April of last year. Crash course to get it all put together, new sails. And we, last year, we had one of the best seasons we've ever had, which was fantastic.
1: Where is that boat? Is it on the East Coast?
2: That boat is on the East Coast. It's based, it's on the heart in, um, I think, Portsmouth, Rhode Island right now. But that boat is going to make its way to San Diego. In fact, um, that boat will, may very well come to San Diego next year, maybe the year after, because we're sort of swapping coasts on boats right now.
1: The, we talked about that before we started recording. The Swan 601 is about to have a big adventure.
2: It is a huge adventure. We have the most ambitious program in line for 22 than I've ever done. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully COVID goes away. Hopefully the world is open. We're planning on that. but yeah. So the, the Swan 601 is going on a ship um, Christmas day. I feel sad for my boat captain, um, but they'll probably be late. So hopefully he'll enjoy Christmas with his family. Going to go through the canal, go to Fort Lauderdale. We're going to stage it in Florida, sail it to the Caribbean. And we're going to do the St. Thomas international Regatta in St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands the Voile de St. Barts and St. Barts. Then it's gonna go on a ship to Newport, Rhode Island. Think of like May. We're gonna do, do a repeat of the Newport Bermuda race and the Onion Patch. And then from Bermuda, it's gonna go on a ship to the Med, to Italy. And we're gonna do the Rolex Swan Cup in Sardinia, the Voile de Saint-Tropez in Saint-Tropez, France, and my, which I've done all those before, but the new one for me would be the, um, or the uh, Middle Sea Race which they do out of Malta. And I don't know if you've heard about that race. It's, it's pretty intense. Like I think most recent one, three quarters of the boats dropped out because it just got too rough, but we're going to, we're going to try it.
1: That's the one where they had to move the finish line after boats had already finished and caused a whole brouhaha. As it should. As it should. Yeah. Yeah. But my understanding, I'll be excited to hear stories about that because my understanding is that that race is intense can get that's very my, windy. And I haven't had
2: anybody say I'm going to go on that one with you yet. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it might just be you in the boat.
2: <laughs> well, that it won't be that for sure. But I hope it's not me and a whole bunch of Italians on the boat though, either.
1: Yeah, so. that sounds like an amazing year.
2: That it. we hope we hope this year has been great. Next year should be even better and very exciting things. We're looking forward to it.
1: That's awesome. Um, and then you you had talked a little bit about, you might do Transpac in 23. Would that be on the Carkeek or on the 601?
2: Well, my my boat captain tells me the Carkeek would sink because um, <laughs> it would have like a lot of openings on the boat plugged up. I'm sure we could get it ready. It would be very fast. Um, but no, I um, it might be the Swan 601. That's gonna come back, like home for that boat is San Diego. So after the Met, it'll come back. But you know, I'm giving a lot of thought and my crew pros me all the time. Um, I might break down and buy a sled and just kind okay. of do that in the very traditional. I think I've heard they're reasonably comfortable. So that might be what happens.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited to see what happens. I just, I just want you to get that experience.
2: <laughs> well, I will. And I, I promise you it will not be on the Ranger 33.
1: No, I, I that, I believe you in that one. <laughs> Other than uh, middle C and transpac that we've talked about both of those what other races are on your bucket list?
2: On the bucket list? Well, you know, I, I, um, this is really a big bucket list, but I would love to do the Fastnet at some mm-hmm. point. And, you know, maybe we'll think about that with the Swan at some point, because that would be a safe boat to do it on. I would also like to do the Sydney Hobart too. And the Swan 601 would be a good race for that. I don't have that on the calendar yet, but, you know, to your question, I, I you know, kind of before I retire from sailing, which I hope is not a long time or is a long time from now, Those are events I'd love to do.
1: Yeah, those are two like sort of big name bucket list events for sure. Yeah. Um, I I have two different lines of questions I want to ask you. So I'll start down one and then we'll hop over to the other. One is sort of more fun. I was in Newport at um, Harbor Court for my very first time. And Chuck, who you have Chuck Sinks, who you've done a ton of sailing with, took us over to um now I'm not going to remember it and if you listen to this he's going to the candy store yes you're on the wall at the candy store how do you get can you tell us a little bit about that and and, uh how you wind up on the wall of a restaurant like that
2: well I will first tell you that I tell this to people I everybody I know um who sales at all the candy store is my most favorite restaurant in the world I love that place the service is good the food is good I like how the ceilings are old and they might fall down on you while you're eating but to your question (laughs) I you know what um David Ray, um, who was the owner of the candy store in Bannister's Wharf, that whole, he owns the, um, the Black Pearl, the restaurant as well. Super nice guy, he won't tell you. I don't know, is the answer. I don't know how my boat got on the wall of the candy store or how a bunch of other boats. I think you got to reach some winning threshold at some point where they're like, okay, your boat goes on the wall. And so <laughs> I, was kidding. I was kidding, I'm like, well, wait a minute. You have my Swan 601, I got it. We won Newport Bermuda, we won this and this. But like my most winning boat, I think ever, was my J-125. And maybe the TP52, and hopefully it'll be the Car key 47. But he's like, Well, I'm not gonna put a J125 on the wall. And he goes, I'm, I'm not gonna put a TP52, but I might put a Car 47. So I think there has to be something a bit different, like not a bunch of them. Got but it. It's it's a secret, is the bottom line.
1: It's it, owner's discretion, it sounds like you know,
2: he's the owner, he can do what he wants. Yeah.
1: That's that's great. The um other thing that I I wanted to bring up was I, again, know a bunch of the guys who sail regularly with you and all of them talk about how great you are as sort of a team builder and a leader. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of teams in this sport and, and your how you approach putting a team together?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, I'm really flattered and glad to hear them say that. Um, you know, to me, well, first of all, Sailing is, is a chess game, right? It's, it's an active sport, but you, you can't be thinking about just what you do. You've got to think five moves ahead. What are other boats going to do in the race course? And so I'm a huge believer in getting people who are outstanding at their position, whatever that might be, bow, trim, et cetera, and, and letting them do their trusting them, like not second guessing. So we have a few rules on the boat. We say, and I say, I'm sure they're tired of hearing it, but I say this every time we take the boat out. Rule number one is safety. I don't want anybody getting, don't do anything to put yourself at risk and don't do anything to put anybody else at risk. Rule number two is don't, don't damage the boat and don't damage another boat. So we're just not going to get in any high risk situation. And number three is do well. And, and it's literally in that order. And so I think to your question, you know, I think they feel safer on our boats because we, we try to be safe all the time. And I think you know, we've got safety equipment galore, like that. Like everything is refreshed and new. Nothing's expired. Our boat captain's checking on it. But um, we don't yell. And, you know, Unless there's some crisis that somebody's imminently going to get hurt, nobody yells. People make mistakes all the time. And I probably make more mistakes on the boat than anybody else. And it's just, you know what, move on. I, it's a, an expression I use in business that I, I use on the boat too. If you make a mistake, it's like, look, when you're driving a car, the windshield is huge, right? You've got lots of places to look through. The rear view mirror is this tiny thing, right? That's the perspective. you look back on things, yeah, you want to learn and look back, but you don't focus on that. You focus on going forward. And um, I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, I've had some of the same crew for 20 plus years now. So it's been, and look, I really appreciate them and the time they put in. Most of them have jobs that are not sailing. So it's been great.
1: They, they have reported to me one thing that you do that is really cool that not a lot of skippers and owners do, um, and Al has said this to me a couple of times, is that after every race, you thank every member of your crew. And I, do. I think I, that little I, bit I of I literally appreciation, go, no
2: matter what, I walk, You know, when, when, once we've done and safe and I'm off the helm, I literally thank and shake everybody's hand on the boat, no matter what, whether we just won or whether we got dead last, Yes, I do. Because you know what? Like, I, I know that everybody on that boat tried. Although I thought we were going to say the thing that we do at the schools, we bring hot turkey burritos to hot rums. But Al didn't say that, though.
1: You bring hot turkey burritos to hot rums?
2: We do. We, we, my, my wife makes like 30 of them every race for a crew of 12. And I go home <laughs> with like three. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, feeding and shaking hands, I think, are two big Big important things uh, that the crew. I, my view is <laughs> happy
2: crew. We're going to do well, so I'm I'm glad to hear that.
1: I've heard of another tradition. Um, when you have crew dinners, you mm. you ask a question of each of them. I or do. One question that everybody has to answer, I guess, is what I've heard. We do. This has
2: been a longstanding tradition. I keep a, a list of, uh, it's, at this point, it's probably 50, 60 questions that are categorized by degree of difficulty. Level one is easy, like, tell me your favorite book. Level seven gets you know, very personal, very, you know, tell me the most embarrassing situation you've been in. Like, that's more of a funny one. But there's other stuff that's more serious. And I, um, we go through those questions. I try to make them new. Um, every single time. We do that every crew dinner. Yeah, we do. And the the funny thing is, I which I never thought, like, why would you be scared about that? What like Al, Chuck, and the guys tell me is, Jim, like if there's a new guy, like especially if he's younger, like in his 20s on the on the boat for that race, he's scared to death. Like he he doesn't he do not ask him a question. Like I'm he's gonna ask a question. There's no escaping a question. You can't pass. I won't ask him first, but everybody's gonna have to participate in this. And you know what? you get, I think they take it seriously. I mean, yes, it can be funny, but it can be serious. You learn so much about other people by doing Yeah. That. So it's great.
1: Yeah. I really like that approach to sailing where, yes, you're a crew, you're out there to win a race, but a good way to do that is by making everybody feel like they're part of the team and feel like they know each other and are accountable to each other once you're close, right?
2: We, we, I, we, we do one other thing too, that um, I think Al might like more than anybody on the crew. Um, we haven't done it for the last couple of years because of COVID, but we're going to reintroduce it. We, at our house, um, we a- a- almost, at least once a year, sometimes more than once a year, depending on what the schedule is, and we invite the crew and spouses over and we do a comprehensive wine tasting. So I bring out some wine and it's, you can't just drink the wine. I literally have note cards. So I, I walk through, okay, here's how you properly taste wine. Here's the five glasses in front of you. Don't mix them. But every sip you take of every wine you taste, you got to write down. You got to write down, you know, taste, experience, everything else. And we go through it and I summarize it, give them results on the next day. And, and it's, it's kind of, it's cool. It's cool. I that think is I to-
1: cool. That is very cool. Um, any other like traditions or things that you, you do that are, have led to your success? terms of sailing
2: you know I think we've covered so much ground um I don't know that we have any other you know no secret sauce or anything um I don't think so Allie no I think you covered like you did a good job or or, you know you did a great job and my crew like prep you well too yes they did
1: (laughs) they did when you're not sailing what do you do
2: so I am a uh Private equity guy. I'm. Um, it's. I, I tell Heather, my wife, all the time, I'm like, you don't want to talk to me at a cocktail party because what I do for a living is really boring. <laughs> so, our, our firm. I'm a co-founder and co-CEO of a company called Kara Capital Partners, and we buy and invest in software companies. So, fast-growing software business is our business. And and as an antidote, I got to get his name in here too. My co-founder, co-CEO, and partner in my business is a guy named Mark McMorris, who we uh, became a member of San Diego. Four or five years ago, and he's dumped, jumped into the deep end of the pool on the Etchels program. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: I don't know him, but I'm going to go meet him now.
2: Yeah, he tells me every time he's going to do top 10%. I'm like, you know, do you know he's racing with there in San Diego? We'll see. But, <laughs> but I love his goal because I want to sooner or later he's going to get there.
1: He is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about the Etchels fleet um, is that, you know, yes, we do have a lot of talent racing in our Etchels fleet. But you can you can get good and be right up there with them.
2: You know, I tell people when I can we go to different places, like even Newport, Rhode Island, which obviously has a lot of talented sailors. But I I actually think San Diego, especially San Diego Yacht Club, has the highest concentration of talented sailors in the world right there. We're and very so you lucky. Can make as, you can make it as competitive as you want it to be.
1: You know, I will share with you that. When I was growing up racing and sailing around here, it was not often that I was on the podium for winning. Sportsmanship, yes, and first girl, yes, because I was often the only girl out there, but I, I was sort of a mid-fleet kind of person, I'd say, so I kind of thought, well, I'm just a normal sailor, except for then I sailed in a regatta that was not in Southern California. Turns out I'm pretty okay. It's, it's the pool here, like you say, is a very deep. And uh, it's it's a challenge to do well even in beer cans, right?
2: It is a challenge to do well in beer cans and hot rum. It it really is. I'm glad to hear you say that because it's your perspective, right? Like you don't you don't realize how many world class, world champion sailors are right in our backyard, right here. So it's right. it's fantastic. It's We're fun. We're very lucky. You know, as the great Conor McGregor is a UFC. Or I don't know if you watch UFC mixed martial arts at all. Very very talented fighter, champion for a number of years. He's Irish and very funny. I reference him all the time, by the way, among my crew, but Conor McGregor says, when I'm not winning, I'm learning. And you know what? There's truth to that.
1: There is truth to that. I love that. I just looked at the clock and we are just about at time, which I'm sad about because I feel like I have a million more things I want to hear from you. So we'll have to do this again, but I will ask you the question that I always ask people when we're wrapping up the sale cast. And that is what advice do you have for people who maybe want to do some of the same things you, you do or want to, you know, really get to sail in the places you've sailed with the people you've sailed? How do you, how do you, have a, how do you tell like a 14-year-old version of me how to do that?
2: You know, um, that is great because it's, 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 I love that question because that like applies to me like that was the 14 year old version of me right like you know I, I Ranger 33 dad's not so competitive I'm gonna I'm gonna trade up dad on the other program. but I would say this its you look two things one the, the, the first piece of advice people are you know the 14 year olds not gonna like which is be realistic like don't try to tell somebody you can do something that you really can't do where you're gonna get hurt or it's just gonna be a bad experience for everybody. so if you're if you don't have a lot of big book experience, don't go asking to do big boat series on a big boat right that's just not going to go well for anybody but that said so be grounded in what your current capabilities are but be aspirational and let people know that so if you're reasonable about what your next step up is and you let people know you want to do that like ask like we we love um in our program training 20 something year olds to do various roles on the boat usually bow in one of the harder more physically demanding roles and it's bittersweet, right? They they start out with you and they do really well and you train them and they go, oh my gosh, they're really good. And then all of a sudden, like Wendy Schmidt, who is the wife of Google CEO Eric Schmidt, a billionaire, who's got a you know, custom made 85-foot boat and it, she steals my crew. Like we're yeah. great, <laughs> great. um, we are the minor leagues for, but but you know what? Good for them, because they've developed, they've earned. But I I I love those kids that are realistic but aspirational. It's a really interesting combination.
1: That is great advice. Jim, thank you so much for chatting with me. I am very excited to see how you and the 601 and the rest of the SRM crew do in the 2022 schedule. I'll be looking for you on the starting line of Transpac 23 and hopefully some time between them as well.
2: Okay, Ali, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Great chatting with you and have a wonderful holiday season, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year. So great times.
1: Thank you very much that's all the time we have left on the salecast today if you have ideas for guests or topics you can email us at news at sdyc.org and to access more information about this episode and other episodes of the salecast you can visit www.sdyc.org salecast.